pitched this book, you were like, I'm going to pitch this book. What do you guys think? Like, we read the pitch for this book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we were along for the whole entire ride. And yet still, <laughs> I was like completely flabbergasted at how much i loved this there Aww. is like it is amazing outstanding spectacular stellar all of the you know thesaurical words that i could possibly use to describe <laughs> this fantastic book so it's, it blew my well, mind thank you. more than what i was always anticipating a high level of expertise and high level of detail but it even surpassed that so right bravo well well, that Super. makes me feel really good. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for more people to have it in their hands. And I can't wait to have the actual version in my hands because the art is so beautiful and black uh, and white. So and good. having the full color version is going to be awesome. I've had the full color version on my iPad. And I'm like, can I print some of this artwork out? Because it's so pretty. And I want to just kind of like frame it on my walls. Because it's so pretty, pretty. It's Thank really pretty. you. Sometimes Claire does sell prints. Maybe you could talk her into it. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's, but it's like, the, I know that you were very specific with your choices in the artwork as well. And so like on like almost every page, there's like a brand new piece of artwork almost. Right. Yes. And I'm lucky because this publisher really values like full color, bright, big page art. So it mm -hmm. really worked for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, just like, usually it's like one half of the I'm assuming like the left side of the page or the right side of the page is artwork mm -hmm. and the other one is like it's like mirrored with the words and I think it makes it more meaningful with the text just yeah like there was I think you had made a poster yeah for the uh Devonport, Davenport brothers and you had yep. talked about them specifically I think like a page or two before and how like important they were to like this I think this was like the seance yeah, the big yes. like seances that were kind of going on. So for those who are like who love your decks, multiples, and <laughs> this is like this if you love the artwork that goes into it and all the thought stuff, this is like perfect fit of a in like book form, if that makes any sense. Well, so let's drop the name of the actual book before we go too farther, too much farther. So this is Claire. We're talking to Claire Goodchild based on the intro. We're talking about the book of seances, which comes out um, late in this month. I think a couple days from now when this episode is released. And it is a guide to divination and speaking to spirits. And I want to talk to Claire a little bit about what made you decide that this was an area you wanted to go into writing in. And also just sort of your path between being a deck creator specifically and being this writer of this sort of like, I guess, culmination of all different types of seances in one book. Mm -hmm. So what really inspired this book was the fact that the pandemic happened. So <laughs> every time there has been a pandemic humans have looked to ways to like honor the death and the mass change that happens to our society. Yeah. So it really got me thinking about like, how do we take a modern approach to, you know, how everyone else handled pandemics Yeah. and with all the tools available that we have now and anyone can get anything. And how can we teach people to like reconnect with that whole spirit side you know, that happens when there's a big change, like, yeah, because yeah. that's what it is, right? The world changed. 
Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And it seems like so. you also had some personal interactions with like exploring your own spirit guides at the beginning mm-hmm. of the pandemic that also kind of like led you down a path of trying to make it more accessible to people. Yes. So I, ghosts have always been like a big part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're kind of the thing, like when you start to lean into it, they start showing up more, you know, yeah. like, oh, the door is open. We're going to talk to you any way we can. And so making the Memento Mori Oracle kind of really just swung the door right open, which mm-hmm. I didn't quite expect yeah (laughs) and so it kind of just led to okay so if I can do this with a deck what other types of divination can I talk to ghosts ghosts with yeah and it seems like Memento Mori has that same relationship with Esther like Esther kind of feels (laughs) really connected with spirit through Memento Mori also so it's and I think a lot of people do it's like such a good introduction to some of the like symbolism and stuff of Mm -hmm. death and then obviously just the meaning of the name itself like the whole idea of remembering that death is around us and that all of us will die is something that can be really hard but especially at the beginning of the pandemic when we were like really addressing or even before that for a lot of us but Mm -hmm. we've gone through significant losses in recent years but like you know reminding us that this is something that we can be actively involved with rather than stuff that we're just sort of like feeling at a loss about yeah right I was just going to say I love how you not only did it through like your warehouse of cardamancy but you've included Mm -hmm. like your journey through all of the other types of seances and um oh what's it called Sorry, it's like it's late. It's like my words are not <laughs> here. Um, divination styles. So, what made you kind of branch out beyond just cardamancy and into like things like reading tea leaves or automatic writing? Like, why did you make these choices to include them in like the overarching like seance topic? I guess. Right. So. I wanted to include things that were popular during the, uh, you know, 19th century, more or less, like when seances as we think of them really took off. So Mm -hmm. in order to do that, I had to learn how to do the divination, right? Right. Like I I didn't think I could advise people how to do something if I haven't done it myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was an eye-opening experience because – some of them I thought would come really naturally to me, and mm-hmm. they did not. And the <laughs> that I didn't think were going to be something I liked, I ended up loving. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen when people read the book and try them out for themselves. They're going to be like, oh, I really want to do dowsing rods, and right. it's not well, going to speak even- to them you even indicate in it that you should like try all of these things for like two Mm -hmm. months. Like this is not something that you're going to like read through once and then decide which one is going to be the best fit for you. I thought dowsing rods seemed really interesting because that never even occurred to me, but are you saying that that's one of the ones that, that fit with you more than you were expecting? Oh yeah. Especially when I started reading about how 
dowsing rods are used not just for like communication, but also for finding things. Like, yeah, people people today still find graves yeah. with it. You know, it's like- it's very popular here in Korea. Actually, you'll find like an older man out with two sticks trying to find <laughs> something. I'm not even joking. Like, it's still actively being used here in alleyways. So, <laughs> I thought it was so cute for you to have added that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's such a, a an interesting method of divination because you also have to like really trust yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because right. you can fall into that hole. Am I moving the rods or is this something right. else? Right. Yeah. Which totally makes sense, especially with that one, because there's so many like muscles in the hand, you know, like you <laughs> right. have to really yeah. you have to like kind of release some of the sciency brain for some of mm-hmm. the stuff. Which yeah. I think is good because that's kind of part of what we're aiming for with intuition anyway. But I do think like maybe this is my Capricorn rising, but being like, like remove the sciencey stuff and then I'm immediately like, well, then it's, then what is it anyway? Then, you know, like <laughs> right. I get all really quickly. But yeah. like, yeah. I think that like if our goal is to be more in touch with ourselves and with our spirit, like, you know, panel as you kind mm-hmm. of describe them then we have to let our brains sort of say, I'm trusting that this is a real thing. So I need to know what I'm reacting to rather than just like blaming it all on like subconscious hand ticks or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, think that the automatic also... writing is one of the ones that seems like I would really like, but I'm kind of scared. of. Oh yeah. It's um, that is one where like I, still am not sure if I trust myself or if (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's you know what I mean and right I think to your like earlier point like learning to trust your intuition and then at the opposite side is don't think everything is a ghost right like right right problem a lot too and writing the book actually made me a little more skeptical than I was. I love going that. In. Because yeah. again, that kind of goes back to knowing more. Like, I think that I've told this story maybe on the podcast, but definitely to you two uh, about how we had that hotspot in our like den, Nathan's office oh, right. area, which is also where our laundry machines are. And every single time I'd walk through this area, I'd like, it would be really, really warm. Like, the floor itself would be super hot. And I was like, this is so weird because when I was doing a bunch of tarot and like spiritual stuff in this room, I wasn't, it didn't feel like that, you know, haunted, but now every single time I walk through this area, the ground is so hot that it just feels so weird and like kind of spooky, a little bit alarming. And then hmm. it turned out to just be like a freaking hot water leak under the slab foundation <laughs> of our house. Yeah. It had a completely Aww. mundane Aww. explanation, but my brain had kind of like, like, because it felt so weird and out of place, my brain had attributed it to something completely magical and not at all mm-hmm. mundane. And I do feel like maybe knowing more about how these things actually work can also help. Because another thing that you talk about, especially at the beginning, is, like, how to set up for a seance. Like, what yeah. you should be doing mm-hmm. in preparation for it. And mm-hmm. then also yeah. the idea of closing the session. And yes. so if you're experiencing, like, weird floor hotspots or whatever outside <laughs> of the intentional realm of trying to communicate with somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. think this pro- I'm probably wrong about what's happening here oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes it, I think that's why routine is so important like mm-hmm. if you're gonna do spirit communication you need to, it to be set times a consistent yeah. schedule not just for 
the spirit's sake, but for your own, right? So mm-hmm. if something does happen, like you said, outside of your usual routine, you need to explore it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the routine thing is so helpful in like any matter, like one of the questions we get all the time is like, how do you build even just a tarot routine? And Mm -hmm. in any case, it's like, you can have some sort of elaborate thing that you do the same way every single time, but ultimately like doing it consistently and have keeping those doors open, basically, even if it's not something where you're considering it, communicating with the spirit world, even if it's just, you know, accessing your own intuition through regular tarot reading, it's like, it's the consistency that is so important. And then you don't have to have people reaching out to you via hotspots on your floor because they know that there's other ways to do that. <laughs> exactly. It's like a muscle, right? You need to use it. So mm-hmm. I also loved how this was sort of a journey with you in connecting to your ancestors because Mm -hmm. all of your all or most of your antidotes are a lot about your personal experiences with your family members and close friends like going to the graveyard and finding your ancestor's grave or you know the friend in your life with zombie tarot and things like that like a lot of that was your personal experience on the page was there something that you wanted to include in the book that kind of didn't get in there that was kind of personal or that you ended up taking out kind of because it was too personal like I want hot goss so (laughs) (laughs) so I wanted to make sure that like the majority of the stories I told were mine because it's so easy to like look through a book and it's all secondhand accounts and if I'm gonna teach you to do something I need to give examples from my own life. Yeah. You know, so there was actually nothing that I didn't include based on being too personal, but I think that I didn't include much of the regular mundane conversations. Um, (laughs) I think the only one I really did was (laughs) the tea leaf reading one with my Nana. Right. Um, Like that, I wanted to have at least one example of, when spirit communication is simple and special, but kind mm-hmm. of boring, like that's not yeah. going to wow anyone, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm sad to say there's nothing that really <laughs> no new okay. didn't make it. I oh, mean, you all that's okay. So vulnerable. I know that the yes. story about your friend James is like really hard to relay, and it's so meaningful right. to include that for those of us who've already heard it from you, but also just like for the world to know that sometimes stuff can be just like incredibly hard and a little bit too on the nose where you're kind of like, yeah. Are yeah. like this is exactly <laughs> right. And also really hurtful. And how dare you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That one, I, it's no matter how many times I like tell it or share it, it's still mm-hmm. really hard to get through. And when I was yeah. doing the audiobook version um, mm-hmm. at the studio like Which you can pre-order I really, now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I I had a hard time. Like it, yeah. I think it was the hardest part of doing the audiobook just because when you write something that's mm-hmm. one thing but when you're like having to show emotion yeah. and you're speaking it, it it's tough. That's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why audiobooks are so wonderful for anything where people are, I I know that this is not even close to a memoir. It's very instructional and historical, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in the more memoir aspects of it, like in the anecdotes that are included with each chapter, it's so important for the actual author to be reading it because 
this is something that's really real and important. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's helpful for, especially when you're talking about spirituality and like experiences that feel so individualized to hear your voice talk about it is always going to be more meaningful than to just even read it on a page or have somebody else be reading it. Right. Yeah. I feel really lucky that I was able to do it and that they trusted me to do it. Yes. Well, you're, I, you I, have an actual amazing podcast that's very well scripted, so it's not like you're a novice. <laughs> Thank you. A podcast I desperately need to update. <laughs> it's okay. We all go through periods. It's hard. Yeah. Hiatuses yeah. are necessary. <laughs> I think yes. podcasting is, not that it's difficult, like we all have other stuff that's way more hard going on in our lives, but sometimes the consistency stuff is tricky, and especially when you're like you and hiring actors and like music producers and like... <laughs> Right. Yours is yeah. just really complex. You can't just sit down and do it. You have a lot more stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. It's scripted is like a whole other <laughs> world. Totally. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. Okay. So one other just thing that I, or not one other, we're obviously, we have plenty more to talk about, but um, at the very beginning, like when you're talking about all of these different sorts of death customs, Mm-hmm. My dad has always said he wanted to have a Tibetan sky burial, and I never knew the extent of that ritual. Mm-hmm. And so having like an entire page explaining the Tibetan sky burial was like, oh, that that totally makes sense as for my dad. It's not legal in our state. He won't be able oh, yeah. to have a Tibetan sky <laughs> burial. But it's so beautiful, the idea of like having vultures specifically which we have a ton of where i live Mm -hmm. it's a riparian area so we're right along a river there's so many vultures um and then sort of like allowing your body to go back to nature in that way and then having a beloved trusted mentor i mean in the tibetan sky burial traditionally it's a monk a fellow Mm -hmm. monk Mm -hmm. who breaks up your bones and puts the and like you know it's all celebratory but it's all sort of like breaking down your body into the most base elements and i just thought that that was so beautiful and it's so cool to see sort of the extent of the uh the tradition listed and there's so many interesting traditions that you go into briefly oh yeah and i just feel like Mm -hmm. it's such a good jumping off point for people who are interested in sort of death ritual right yeah i I thought it was important to include some just because a seance in general is its own death ritual so Mm -hmm. having an understanding of like you know not like especially non-western ones because like i then talk a lot about western the sp- seances the and history mis- right. spiritualist movement was so like united states canada and the uk or exactly like so. <laughs> i wanted people to know like hey this happens everywhere in the world yeah you know and, and it, thing. exactly that totally makes sense. I really, really liked it. I just found a lot of meaning in that section. You also are very clear that this is not a necromancy book, which I also oh, right. <laughs> I'm like, Claire Goodchild is not telling you to try to raise the dead. That's not what this is for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people hear the word necromancy and they only think of that like one definition when really it encompasses yeah. all types of different practices. Like, through religion and spirit communication. So I wanted to be like, hey, we're only doing this one. (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to actually reanimate corpses. This is not part (laughs) of it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You also have a section at the beginning where you kind of talk about the different types of spirit 
spirits. And mm-hmm. that was super helpful because I did actually, I have two podcast recommendations for you. Have you listened okay. to a uh, ghost church, the Jamie Loft Lapkus podcast about spiritualists, like modern spiritualist movement? I have not, but I'm it's, going to. <laughs> she's a comedian and she's she did a podcast about the Kathy comics that I really loved and also one called My Year in Mensa, uh, where she basically is like Mensa is filled with people who think that they're like incredibly smart, but they're some of the weirdest people you'll ever interact with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was worried about Ghost Church because she's going to some of the current uh community areas where a lot of modern spiritualists who are, you know, descended from the spiritualists that you that we have a lot of anecdotes about in your book. Um, right. They all, a lot of them still live in these same communities. And so she went to the community in Florida to like interact with them. And I was a little bit worried that it would be mean, <laughs> like, or like <laughs> yeah. too dismissive, but she's like a really, I think she's exactly sort of my level of like, this is something that I believe and that I want to believe, but I also would like to like see something out of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the spiritualists that she does talk to are really interesting. They're really uh, insular communities. So they're not super ex- like excited to invite her in. Um, right. But some of them ultimately do. And it's this really interesting conversation about like, like, religions or movements and the ebbs and flows of like interest and popularity and all of that. And she interacts with a lot of really cool modern spiritualists that are like interesting. She goes to a seance uh, that's around a table, which you have a specific name for that I'm not grasping right now. Table turning or table Um, tipping. Table turning. Yeah. And she, she is talking through all of it and it's just so interesting and cool. And also like she's in a room with a bunch of strangers. So like, you could because the table turning and table tipping was such a huge component of mm-hmm. original spiritualism. It was cool to hear like a peer, basically, if I could claim Jamie Lapkus as a peer, which is probably mm-hmm. not accurate, <laughs> uh, a peer sort of go through this thing that I've read so much about because, you know, as somebody with this interest, of course, we've read books and listened to podcasts about the Fox sisters yeah, right? or table turners in general or all like, what was the, um, Alan, no, Aaron Mankey had another podcast. Where oh yeah, the Cabinet of Curiosities, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think but I that think one. It was one of a deep dive, one of the deep dive series of his. But he was uh, he had an episode about. Um, great now, names are leaving me too. <laughs> her name, but what's his name? Uh, Houdini had like a huge vendetta against her. Oh yeah, right. Beyond did, behind the bastards just did a podcast about her, her husband last week. About whose husband? The lady's husband who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's weird because Harry Houdini is kind of seen as like sort of like a hero in some circles. But after like listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast episode about how much he was like basically incredibly abusive towards these mediums because Mm -hmm. he was so skeptical of them. It was just like, oh, he's actually a misogynistic asshole. (laughs) Like this is really not cool. Exactly. Once you start exploring how it was about shutting women down in particular, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. After they, you know, encouraged women to go into this profession and then all the power that women started gathering for themselves and yeah. the men were like, wait a minute. And when you say power, <laughs> you mean not just like spiritual power, but also literal financial freedom and power. Yeah. Like, yeah they were given a role where they could make money from this thing. And then suddenly it's, you know, you're a manipulator, like evil person, whatever. But so much of spiritual stuff, I think that that's why there's still sort of like 
old wives tales about you not being able to, if it's a true gift, you can't read tarot for money. Or if it's a true gift, mm-hmm. you can't like all of those ideas that your spiritual gifts have to be something that you're doing altruistically, I think also come from a place of controlling sort of financial freedom. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. The, I'm glad that that's kind of shifting too, right? Like now it's more mainstream even to become a tarot reader and like that's your job yeah like even just five years ago people would kind of laugh at you so Mm -hmm. it's nice to see it shifting yeah Yeah. just because people use those resources and really get a lot out of going to people who can read for them and it's a shame to think of like anyone's labor being sort of diminished because of just like skepticism or whatever. If you want to sell whatever you want to sell, you can. That's why I mm-hmm. get a little bit like wacko about that sort of thing in general. But that's my own problem. There was another podcast that I just listened to that was about this church that had like that got accused of being a brothel. Basically, this it was like a true crimey kind of podcast. And I was like, look, if their like form of worship involves physical touch, who am I to say that that's not true? <laughs> I was getting yeah. up in arms about it. <laughs> I was like, I guess where the money gets exchanged is where it gets problematic. <laughs> yeah. But still, there's just so many, so many instances of women getting like the ability to be strong in some way, only for people to be like, oh, now we have to make that illegal. Yeah, exactly. Which is just wild. But one of the other strengths of the book is that you're including your personal anecdotes, historical information about spiritualists who participated in that specific methodology of seancing, and then also activities for each of the types. And Mm -hmm. some of the activities are things that you need to spend a lot of time doing. And other things, like one of the ones that I really liked for clairvoyance was choosing three random objects from around your house and then keeping it like meditating on them and then keeping them in mind as you go throughout your day and making note of every time they appear again. Yeah. I wanted to have something for everyone in the book because like I didn't want every chapter to be something where you have to go buy a thing. Right. Like I wanted no matter your socioeconomic status, I wanted there to be something you could do too. So I think the simple ones can in a way be the most powerful too yes. because it it takes a lot of energy from within yourself rather than using a tool in, you know so yeah totally yeah and that it's was so helpful to even just think about those all the clairs so are like each individually things that people can hone but also mm-hmm. just like with the methods of divination in general some might come more naturally so having like tools to hone them is helpful. Yeah, yeah. And even for me, like there are some that I still can't quite get, you know, and mm-hmm. or at least have any sort of control over. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then there's others where I'm like, oh, this is easy for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you start started like, at the simple basics explaining the foundation of everything so everyone's sort of on the same page and then specifically in each chapter branching off into there and sort of a place for me that kind of stood out was like your simple start to your ancestral practice and connecting with them like every Mm -hmm. morning it's simple you wake up you go to your computer desk turn your computer on light a candle for your ancestors talk to them about your day what's been going on etc and then that's it 
And it doesn't need to be anything more than that. You can do more if you'd like, but just allowing people to, you, you did not outline first you light a candle. Then you say the certain prayer with the rosary four times. You know, you did not specifically right. say what you do, but you allow us as the reader to sort of use this then to fill in those gaps. Does that make sense? Yeah, because spirit communication and, and ancestor work is personal, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, you are the result of your ancestors. And so you have a specific connection to them that I can't tell you how to do. Like I can guide you, but I can't tell you specifically. Um, right. Because they're all individuals. And, Every spirit is an individual too. They're going to want different stuff from you. Exactly. And in the second book, which I just finished Yay! writing <laughs> about ancestor work, I give you a bit more of my personal practice and then kind of teach you how to adapt it to fit yours. Mm. I love that. So I think that the listener will have already heard us talk to Nancy Hendrickson about her ancestral grimoire, but from mm -hmm. our perspective, I read both of them in the same week. Um, right. And her framework of sort of like going, she in her book, she talks about sort of month by month, what you can do, like which spirit you should be sort of inviting in to present themselves to you in sort of a month by month basis. It's all about mm -hmm. developing sort of this cadre or pantheon of spirit guides um, and reading them both at the same, like in such close proximity to each other. I cannot wait for your, for your ancestor book, because I'm sure it'll just like elevate it even further. Yeah. But right. it was so interesting and helpful to sort of see them simultaneously because this book is about the tools that you can use mm -hmm. and that book gives a little bit more like like instruction about what you should be doing in each month and so using them both together it's like just really easy to see a path forward for me specifically like I, I find it really easy for me to see a path forward in this study for myself which I've been neglecting mm -hmm. for a couple of years uh, basically since my cousin Wade died and it just got way too painful to be thinking about like our beloved dead, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I feel like reading these both at the same time, the day that I finished uh, Nancy's book, cause I read that one second, I had like the luckiest day of my year. Like everything was just going my way. Nathan was COVID negative. Like we both were feeling healthy. I kept like having random lucky things happen to me, like hitting all green lights or like finding a good <laughs> deal on something and all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, I was like, this is obviously my spirit community being like, look, Holly, like dig back into this. It's going to be worth it to you. Like, look at what we can help you with. Look at how good things can be. So it, it made me feel really motivated to read this and to see like, you know, maybe I'm not feeling, I feel like, since I use tarot so much for reading for other people, tarot, it's one of the reasons why Compendium of Constellations is my spirit deck, because mm -hmm. I feel like maybe tarot, even though I love it so much, it's not the tool that my spirits want to communicate with me necessarily with in the same way. Right. Whereas like Compendium of Constellations, which I've talked about with you a million times, absolutely is. <laughs> and then yeah. all of these other tools in your book, it's like any of these could be so valuable in this. And also thinking right. about like, you know, I, you and I both share some Greek ancestry and thinking about using tea reading, which is like so similar to our, you know, ancestral tradition of coffee grind reading or even doing coffee grinds reading instead. That's something mm -hmm. that could really be helpful in accessing that side of things. 
And there's just all of this sort of like, like thinking about which tools are best benefited to what your goal is, is really helpful with this. Cause it's just all laid out. Yeah. And I mean, first of all, I like that your ancestors literally gave you the green light. I know. <laughs> it was the wildest day, Claire. Like, I went to go pick a – I found a good deal on a bedside table. And the other thing is that a lot of it was, like, home-related stuff. And as you all, as you both know and all of our listeners yeah. know, like, that is where I find my magic to be the most important to me anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. if it's home-related stuff, that's always going to feel, like, exactly what I need. But I found a good de- deal on a bedside table, but only, I only got one of them. And then on my drive home – I ran across another really cute bedside table in a super nice neighborhood that I took a random shortcut through to avoid traffic. That was just like oh, by the trash can that oh. had a free sign on it. <laughs> that and it was awesome. like, it's like totally my style, super cute, free. And I only mm-hmm. saw it because I randomly decided, and I'm using air quotes because who knows if it was a decision yeah. to take this random side route through a nice neighborhood on my way home. And it just felt like all of these sorts of green lights about like, this is something that should be explored. And so then having this workbook that you created with literal pages of like tracking your different methodologies is so Mm -hmm. helpful because it feels like something that I don't have to go into blindly. Like I have instruction for how to dig back into this. And I've shared so much with you and with all of our listeners about my grief in general. And I just feel like having this is making me feel more empowered to dig back into that. Like not despite of my grief, because I think that the grief is always going to be there when you've lost somebody, but I guess alongside my grief, but in a supported way, like I don't feel like I'm sort of just wading into something that I'm not prepared for. I feel like I have this like organized structured methodology where digging into work with the spirits around me can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that your experience too is a good example of it means something to you and it's not something that you have to prove to other people, which was important for me to Mm -hmm. include in the book. Like, it doesn't matter if you believe my stories. I don't care. You know, (laughs) like like they speak to me just like all your your lucky things speak to you, right? And you immediately connected that to spirit work. So, immediately yeah it was wild I was like okay. yeah it's it's just <laughs> yeah. such a nice nice example of like how it can be part of your daily life and not just these big elaborate rituals mm-hmm. right yeah yeah even just like allowing your brain to open to it a little bit can help you find a pathway forward I think totally mm-hmm. Which is funny because my sister and I were having this conversation. One of the reasons that I think I've been really struggling with this sort of like spirit work and ancestor work specifically is because like my cousin Wade was so not into this sort of thing. And so every single time we see any signs from him and he's come to my mom in dreams like so many times. Um, And like every time Katie gets into the ocean, the ocean suddenly like whips up strong waves that knock her over and make her feel all discombobulated, which is exactly Wade's sense of humor like he just was kind of a yeah. troll like he just liked to fuck with people a lot so but when we when we joke about that when we were Katie and I were walking back from the beach to Wade's parents house and Katie had just been tossed around by the ocean after it was like a pretty fine ocean and then suddenly she steps foot in it and it feels much rougher and we, she was like you know he would be so eye rolly at me for attributing that to him and I'm like I don't know he's <laughs> 
maybe not. Like maybe he yeah. would have been in life, but he isn't now. Yeah. If you're, if every single time you're experiencing this, you're thinking, God damn it, Wade, can you please just let me like not chill out? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to float in the goddamn ocean for a minute. <laughs> maybe yeah. in a death, he's not that way. And it's just like, it's, you have to like allow yourself to be open to that, I think. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with somebody that you perceived as a skeptic, you're just like, I don't know. Who knows? You could be anybody now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think that's really, really important to have the kind of connection, you know, where you just know, like, oh, it's this person and this is why, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah, it can be so special. Mm-hmm. I think where this book has, like, piqued my curiosity okay i'm gonna pronounce this wrong because every single time i want to say tassel graphy and it's not tassels okay tassography tasography tasography you can pronounce it three ways okay so i say tassography which bothers a lot of people but tough okay i say it okay love it then there's tassiography Ta- okay, tassiography. Okay, that's what I would say. That's geography, say. geography. Got it. Okay, <laughs> and then there's tassiomancy. Oh, oh, that's romantic. That is mm-hmm. so. So tassiography is. Yep. I think you were there alongside me once when I had like a spirit experience, and you're like, get some tea and some get a <laughs> cup, and I was like, okay, and then I saw like an Edwardian man with like a child, essentially, and I I kind of can feel who it sort of was because I've seen these Edwardian pictures from my grandparents and stuff like that, so. Right. So to me, that's where it's piqued my interest. Now, whether or not I'm good at it is like debatable, but that's where I think this book is really helpful is because like, if, if something doesn't resonate with you, like for me, like automatic writing, I'm like, okay, I, I that's not really my field house. Like, I don't really want to try it. Maybe one day mm-hmm. when I get the interest, I will, but you kind of like all of the chapters are so diverse and different that someone who has never like even thought about trying tassiography i said it right um i did it um that they'd be like oh this is not as intimidating as i thought it was because you have boiled everything down to something simplistic in a way that's not intimidating for someone to pick up immediately go like oh i have some loose leaf tea and i have a cup in my cabinet let me try this you know like you've done a amazing job in making some of these things that are have been so intimidating into something like that has like i don't want to say i'm not trying not to be insulting but like there's like a low threshold of like fear i guess is the best way to describe Mm -hmm. it yeah i didn't want anyone to feel like something wasn't available to them yeah do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gatekeeping in the divination communities and Mm -hmm. i didn't want anyone to be like oh well i won't be good at this like you don't know what you're gonna be good at until you try it you know and trying it isn't hard mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's just not like you just have to do it yeah yeah what like divination style was the easiest to write about other than tarot mm. i'm gonna put that caveat there i'm the ca- i'm caveating aside from like card cardomancy what was sort of like the one that sort of flowed out of you easier than the other chapters so definitely the automatic writing. Um, oh. 
That's so ironic. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I had been struggling to like kind of get my thoughts out for the first couple chapters of the book Mm -hmm. until I switched to writing by hand. And that was Mm. the chapter I started with. And then I finished the book by hand. And I really think like I automatic wrote a bit of it. Okay. So that one surprised me because I didn't think, again, that it would be something I'm good at. Um, Mm -hmm. And it ended up being the key to making this book that I'm really, really proud of. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could just flow. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like for our book, I I wrote a lot of our first draft or my part of the first draft using voice text or not voice text, dictation on like the actual Mm -hmm. program itself. And I think that like one of the things that people really underestimate about tapping into our own understandings is the method of communicating it. And I think that can be applied to so many things, but like your method of communicating was not typing and neither was mine. We had to find our method of communicating because a lot of the stuff that both of us were writing about was stuff that we were like both researching, but also knew. Like we, mm, yeah. we had researched enough that it was something we knew inside of our bodies. And it's just like, how do I express this into the world? And for you, it was writing. And for me, it was speaking. And maybe that's a way to dig into some of this stuff too, because a lot of that is the same with like our intuition and like that intrinsic knowing or whatever. And how can we access that and then bring it out into the world for you? It's writing, even with tarot yeah. readings for myself for a long time, I was just recording them on voice memos because talking mm. through it was so helpful. But that's one of the reasons that clear audience is something that I want to explore so much more. I feel like hearing the sense of hearing would be something that would be accessible to me more than other senses oh totally and you know that makes me think of our like podcast as well like you're Mm -hmm. so naturally chatty and you can communicate and you really get into it when you have you know someone to bounce off of which is Esther you know and like she (laughs) yeah (laughs) you that back and forth right Mm -hmm. and mine is I need to write it out and it has to be scripted so Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny that like for our, both our books. Yeah. yeah. No, just, like, <laughs> the methods. Podcast, do you handwrite it out too? I do now. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is how I need to be doing this. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, can, we, can we talk about the most surprising divination method that I read about in this book? Was it the sure. witch way? <laughs> no. It was, it was Domino's divination. Oh, yes. who knew? I was I, like, what? <laughs> I love Claire. that. I'm absolutely going to be utilizing that. Now we can divine during our domino tournaments. Like, oh, my ancestors told me to do this. Okay, got it. Okay, I win, you know. <laughs> right. Well, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that's my mind going somewhere. <laughs> but yes, that so, was fun. Domin- so originally I was going to do runes. Um mm-hmm. In, in that little section but runes and me as much as I try I cannot get it I've tried for three years now yeah. and they I just cannot connect with them I, I just so think it's pretty. like I want to own uh, so many but I can't get I any know. meaningful readings out of them I I feel like it's just not the time for me yeah. like I, I don't think any divination method is totally off limits forever I think it's yeah. just different periods of your life. And so I was like, oh, what can I put in here that is going to be fun, mm-hmm. you know? And I came across dominoes in a a 
unfortunately in a Raymond Buckland book. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, so it, it is a thing. And yeah. I started trying to find like older um, resources and I couldn't really. So like a lot of that, that section I had to build the dictionary based on like what yeah. I found and also for some of them just what I experienced yeah yeah i love that so much my family does a lot of uh dominoes playing and nathan and i Mm -hmm. even have like a sort of like historic list of wins which is problematic because he's (laughs) like twice as much as i beat him but Mm -hmm. it's like a very uh important tradition in my mom's family that we play a lot of dominoes together so i loved seeing that because that wouldn't even occur to me and i'm not like Mm -hmm. a numerology expert but I feel like the dictionary that you created was really, really helpful. And yes. I always have dominoes around. So why not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's such a, I like using them, you know, after a different type of reading. So like mm-hmm. if I'm for Tara, I might do a couple dominoes Yeah. or the same with the charms chapter. Like after yeah. tea leaf reading, I might grab a few charms too. You know, like yeah. I wanted to have little things that people can like include, especially if they're more advanced. Yeah. Right, because yeah, the book I did want it to be for beginners. So mm-hmm. if you need a little bit more, you can like blend different types of readings together. Yeah, which is such yeah. a good idea, and I think that that's like the logical next step where people add oracle cards into their tarot readings. The logical next step would be to move beyond just even one type of reading and use yeah. multiples. Mm-hmm. exactly yeah because like you get confirmation that way too right mm-hmm. yeah yeah if you if you have two symbols coming up in two different types of um divination tools or mm-hmm. you know two two numbers if you get like a five and a seven are those dominoes five and seven yeah um, on your dominoes yeah. and then and seven i think is too many so i think it goes five and six. six yeah five and six <laughs> there we go yeah. and you get like you know five of swords and six of wands yeah yeah it's just like a confirmation like oh i'm on the right track with this Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. method yeah and you're a big charm user so that also makes total sense as a addition i love them i don't know what it is i i'm kind of like a magpie (laughs) i just want bright shiny things to look at you know I feel like that's why runes seem so appealing to me although I haven't been able to make them work for me but there's so many beautiful shiny runes in the world (laughs) I know they're so nice I I don't know what my problem is (laughs) I don't think it's I think maybe your spirit guides just know that they have other like methods of communication so it just doesn't have to be runes (laughs) well once I was told that like whenever someone gives you a book or a book comes across your path, you don't have to read it right then that it's like that you will want to read the book whenever the time is. And I feel like, like divination methods are the same way where it's available to you, but you know, it may not be the right time right now. And later it may be better for you to do that. So there's no pressure to, you know, try to memorize, you know, all the divination styles. Now it's just fun thing to explore in the future. Well, I was just that... thinking that my runes are pewter and uh, uh, not Esther, you're Esther. Claire <laughs> sent me some charms when she sent me the Ouija board that she made. The Ouija yeah. board, <laughs> the Memento Mori Ouija board that I love and use just as decoration, which you go into the book in a little bit about that being fine. So thank you, Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you yes. sent me charms with that and I could almost see these pretty pewter runes being added to the uh, to the 
um, bag of charms yeah. and maybe trying to mm. integrate them that way, like including them in some more intuitive charms. Yeah, That's interestingly enough, from a mental mori out, out pop spirit board when you were talking. So just FYI, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Esther, you need to get a spirit board. That's the, that's what. No, that I means. think it was confirming you doing oh, it that way. Me doing it. All right, I'm not opposed. If I would not, I mean, I, I I'm not freaked out by Ouija boards at all because yeah. of what you talk in the bu- about in the book. It's like it was yeah. sort of a capitalized on a trend, and also mm-hmm. just like with any of our tools, they're just tools on their own. Like we're yeah. bringing the spirits to them. Like they're not within the evil whatever, but. I still feel like I need to devote more, I guess, reserved energy towards it than Mm -hmm. I do for my, like the majority of my interactions with different tools are a lot more casual. And I feel like there's like a respect thing with the Ouija board that I should be offering Mm -hmm. more. So that's mostly what's like preventing me from doing it. And also I do think that the charms part of that is helpful because you talk about in the book, like it's hard to do a Ouija board with a planchette or the bland, what? planchette yeah yes. i said planchette in my brain it's hard to do that solo so yeah. using the charms method which is basically casting charms onto the board and then interpreting the charms alongside the letters that it's landing on is yeah. a good way to sort of get around that solo practitioner problem yeah exactly and i i was just thinking as you were talking about that like you could probably use divining rods the same way like read mm-hmm. out each letter and if they cross you know that's your letter yeah if you're by yourself um so that that's another way to use them mm. that's a great idea i think that the it divining is. rods are something that i literally never thought about oh get some they're <laughs> the it's best right in the title <laughs> divining rods <laughs> I just loved how yeah. you made it so simple. Like, just get some hangers and some straws. You can just try it before you buy it, you know, basically. It's exactly. like, it's so simple yeah. and easy. Yeah. Like, I, again, that's me wanting to be like understanding to different, you know, Financial people's income. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, there's, other, th- I mean, even tarot decks are so like you can get really cheap ones now too. But like, mm-hmm. if you have two hangers and two straws, yeah. you don't need to go buy thirty dollars set of divining rods. Well, yeah. it also speaks to those of us who are crafty and like to make our stuff. So exactly. I'm just going to bedazzle my handles for the divining rods, and it's going to be like a very personalized divining rod for myself. Gosh, but they're Perfect. so pretty. Again, my stupid raven brain that's like they're so yep. shiny. <laughs> yeah. Must buy. Oh, I know. I I want all different types of divining rods. That's how much I fell in love with them in this oh. book. I don't, yeah. What oh, What are your they're... current ones that you use the most? Like, they're small copper ones. Um, oh. they're probably a foot. Oh, give nice. or take. That's yeah. manageable. They're really and cute you and like. Do... Sorry. Go ahead. No. No. Go ahead. I was just thinking when you're like going into a graveyard, because I knew I do know that you respectfully do that. Are you bringing yep. like a bag full of stuff with you? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> I'll in your bag. <laughs> My cemetery kit. So oh, I, I have. Love it. I have. So generally, my main kit because. It, cemeteries here are locked at night. I know mm-hmm. that's not the case for everywhere, but 
So I don't have any like flashlights or things like that. But I have um, a mini shovel, Ziploc okay. bags, offerings always, yes. um, usually dimes. Um, oh. Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. I'm actually building like a specific one that only will go to the cemetery with me, like mm-hmm. curated copy of it. Oh yeah, like oh. like T our friend T's method of curating Memento Mori to make it a little bit more manageable for her. Exactly. You're, you're doing mm-hmm. that for your graveyard version. That is so smart. Ooh. Yeah. Um, then map of the graveyard, any history I've collected about it, because that's mm-hmm. very important. You want to yeah. know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Um what else is in my bag? Oh, an uh, EVP machine, my spirit box. Um, mm-hmm. I just got an EMF reader, so Ooh. I'm going to try that. Divining rods. <laughs> uh, <laughs> snacks. <laughs> yes. It's an all-day affair, it sounds like. You just can't Uber yourself something to the graveyard that kind of looks weird on the address. Exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, a pen and a notebook. Oh, um, yeah. Water, sunscreen, bug spray. Because oh, sometimes yeah. you're going to some that could have ticks, right? That's really mm-hmm. important. You don't want to get a tick. Um, what else is in my bag? I am imagining I this it. bag to be some like old leather doctor satchel, but I'm sure that it's a much more manageable, <laughs> like large backpack situation. It's a backpack, yeah. <laughs> The dream is for like a 1930s medical satchel, but that's harder exactly. to carry an EMF reader around in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, the most important besides the snacks is if you have family at the cemetery, make sure you have all their plots written down. Oh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So you like you don't forget anybody. And like once you get a few generations back, you have hundreds of ancestors and grandparents. Right. So. You want to make sure no one's forgotten, which I've done a few times. So So Esther and I both live in areas where we don't have any ancestors buried near us at all. Right. So it would be, I mean, I guess you could also identify somebody just based on like intuitive name selection and then maybe try Mm -hmm. to find their obit or whatever. So Mm -hmm. you know a little bit more about them. But like, yeah, Esther and I don't have any buried ancestors in our current graveyard accessible situations and even for me I feel like all of my recent ancestors were not even buried Mm -hmm. right I found out cremation is uh... my grandma's mom when she died she um she died from a self-inflicted situation also and and my mom was like 20 and my grandma was like in her mid-40s or whatever my grandma and her sister at one of our recent lunches together were talking about how none of the neither of them know where their mother's body ended up at all. Oh wow. I yeah, I have a situation like that as well for my my granddad. Mm-hmm. He was cremated and we don't know where he went. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. And like, Waggy and Sally were talking about like, well, there's a pretty decent chance that the like community that she was living in was like a retirement community slash assisted living place. And so maybe they know. But now mm-hmm. it was in the 70s. It's been like 50 years. Right. They might maybe still the have. They R- might records? still have them, though. Maybe like no, like actually my... them. Oh, them themselves. <laughs> oh, that's true because I think that at least like that funeral homes have to keep stuff for a certain amount of time. Yep. Yeah. That might um, be a good thing for me to explore. That would be interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, because we don't live like close to any graves, you know, you can go to findagrave.com 
Mm-hmm. And you can leave virtual flowers if your oh. family's headstones are listed. So oh. that's kind of nice. That yeah. Is so nice. Yeah, usually here I'll just like invite them into my space with whatever offering yeah. I have for them. And that seems to pass okay. I mean, but it's not as real as like being able to go to their grave, but also in the States, like because my mom's from the North and my dad's from the South, like all of the ancestral graves are like 12 hours apart. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's part's a little bit, that's also like a little, something that's a little bit difficult, but I just love how you through your journey are feeding us spiritually in ways and i yeah, just love totally. it so much like we're good. when you share in our group chat about cool stuff you found it always feels like a win for the whole chat. yes 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 <laughs> absolutely like yay that makes claire me did happy. it yeah i was just realizing that the graves that i have easiest access to are every single dog my family has ever had because all of them nice. are buried in my parents backyard in like a strip of dog graves oh that's oh, sweet oh. and you my dad will like some biscuits i yeah. should and my dad will bring them or my dad will find like cool giant rocks or whatever from other parts mm-hmm. of the yard and they all have little commemorative rocks yeah <laughs> oh literal headstones I'm, i need to send you then a little preview from the next book about a dog headstone and oh. how that has Is kind of fire bobby because <laughs> i know we no both but but he's in the book. I mean, we're still editing. I'm hoping he stays because I've got a huge section on cemeteries and how to Yay. work with them. And so, so love but it. But yeah, my my parents or my mom's dog when she was about 18 was poisoned by a neighbor, and um, she's buried on this one hill at my my uh, grandma's. And when I was little, I would sit with that grave and like tell mm-hmm. Buffy, that's the dog's name, everything Aww. about my life. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. I love so dog Buffy. Aren't just That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is Buffy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer short for something? Is that Barbara? What's Buffy a nickname for? You of I all people would know, Claire. I so. Yeah, I, I think it's just a name. What I mean, is I'm... Buffy a nickname for while we're here? Buffy is just oh, a female pet form given from the name Elizabeth. What? Really? Yep. Uh huh. That's my middle name. Yeah. Oh my Buffy gosh. Is... That's oh true. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Buffy. So why weird. is it says why is Buffy a nickname for Elizabeth? There aren't any F's in Elizabeth. Come on. And then it's based on how a child might pronounce the final syllable of Elizabeth. Oh. So so that's Buff. 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 Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So you have a lot of Buffy connections then. You do. (laughs) Yeah. Your love of actual Buffy. Your middle name. Yeah. I think Elizabeth has to be the most versatile of all names because my grandma's name is Elizabeth and she went by Betty. But, you know, there's like a thousand nicknames for Elizabeth. Right? Beth, yeah. Betty, Lily Bet. All of the Liz, Liz's. Eliza. Eliza. Buffy, apparently. Buffy. <laughs> it just can keep going on and on. There's like no, mm-hmm. there's like basically no nicknames for Holly at all. Just Hall. <laughs> Well, well you- if it helps, there's nothing for Claire. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> you got the good one for your middle name. <laughs> yeah. Well, Claire did give me my recent nickname of Etty that I've been oh, going yeah. by. So that has been very special to me. So thank you for that. As we're, since we're talking oh. about nicknames and shorting our, because Esther usually just gets Essie, but I don't really like Essie because it's weird because of the S <laughs> sounds. Uh, so Etty is much better Eddie. to me. So thank you. 
so yeah, yeah. super cute yeah. you were uh for my my great grand my great grand aunt was eddie I think that's when I, I discovered them at the cemetery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I told that's you right. about it. That's and right. I was going to call you Eddie forever. I and love it. We're doing it. We're we doing love, it I love it. I'm accepting it for the rest of my life and beyond. <laughs> this is happening. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think that the, uh, the only other part that I really wanted to talk about a lot was the uh, interaction stuff where you have to be interacting with your tools regularly. And mm-hmm. I've told yep. you and I've talked on the podcast about how even with my beloved compendium of constellations, if she's feeling a little bit ignored, she can be less helpful. And yep. I just think that that's, that's a nice way to put it. Thing to like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's such an interesting thing to sort of put to words is that like mm-hmm. if something isn't working, try giving it more attention rather than just yeah. saying this doesn't work yeah. for me. Yeah. And there's, there's such resistance to like play games and stuff with your tools, but why not right like games are part of our lives too you know like so yeah and all i mean not all of these tools but the majority of them especially tarot started Mm -hmm. as a game so you should be playing games with it you know to kind of honor its history yeah totally yeah it just makes so much sense and i think that like maybe the almost like peacefulness and playfulness that your book sort of conveys throughout it. Mm-hmm. is like, this is something that you can, here are some activities to do, like frameworking it as activities really helps yeah. break down that. Like, yeah. this is an intimidating thing. I can't approach. Right. Situation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think spirit communication can be scary for people because of like all the fake lore mm-hmm. <laughs> surrounding yeah. all these things. Right. Like you, it can be fun. Like, yeah. why not? You know? Totally. Like, it's, sh- yeah. It, and it kind of should be fun. If you're somebody who's a playful person, then wouldn't the spirits who are drawn to being there for you also want to align with that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the whole idea that it, that it's dangerous or bad. Sh- sure. There are some like precautions you should take, but right. that idea says that when we die, are we going to be bad? no right you know what i mean like not everyone is there are way less evil people than good people and yeah. the same goes for death so yeah. yeah yeah that's really beautiful and i'm so happy you wrote this book and i cannot wait for your next one <laughs> yes you are super good at this and I'm we're happy so that you. you let us chat with you about yes. this and we'll see you for the next one probably yeah yeah i hope hey. so <laughs> i hope so too yay so we love you claire and this was yes, really really you. fun you're the best thank you you're our favorite so just don't tell <laughs> oh. anybody else you have to cut that out <laughs> esther <laughs> no i don't because i don't think anyone else is gonna listen right <laughs> <laughs>